The Improverbial Podcast is a part of the Boardman Review Podcast Collective in collaboration with Cold Shower Media. The Podcast Collective aims to tell unique stories curated by the Boardman Review, the creative culture and outdoor lifestyle journal of Northern Michigan. This episode is brought to you by the Boardman Review, the workshop brewing company and the National Writers Series Podcast. For over 10 years, the National Writers Series has presented live conversations with New York Times bestselling authors, and now they have launched a podcast which features their most popular, intriguing, and relevant discussions. Check them out on your favorite podcast listening platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, among others, and search National Writers Series. Thanks again, the Boardman Review, the Workshop Brewing Company, and the National Writers Series. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thalvet, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Oh, hey. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Pete. Um, so this proverb is extremely well known. And I think we're going to have a lot of great material for this one. Um, it didn't take any time to find it this time, although we often do have to dig. But this one is the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And it basically means all of it or the whole thing. For example, I thought the suspect might give us a few clues. But when I asked her if she had any knowledge of the crime, she gave me names, dates, bank account numbers, aliases, the whole nine yards. Except for her confession. Well, she was a suspect. <laughs> yeah. No confession. Oh, no. Yikes. Okay. Where did this expression come from, Lisa? Tell me. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to do a quote here. And I this makes me just want to go on a tangent of um, <laughs> mystery. So this is a quote by Fred Shapiro, who is the librarian at Yale. And he said, this whole nine yards proverb is the most prominent etymological riddle of our time. Yeah, huge. We don't have a lot of mysteries on this show Mm -hmm. and we got one right here. Um, Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the bottom of it. So as you said, um, it's, it's, this saying is related to a lot of other proverbs out there, such as um, the ball of wax or the full enchilada, the the whole shebang, the the full hog, uh, the, the whole, whole hog, the full hog, the full hog, the whole hog, the full whole, the full, <laughs> whole, the hog. full hog, and uh, the, the and the kitten, Sorry. the kitten caboodle too, shebang, the sh- whole shebang. Mm-hmm. All of these mean the same thing. Yeah. In the UK, the full monty would be the same thing. That would right. be synonymous with mm-hmm. this. Um, and they're really not able to get to say what this exactly came from. But there are some clues out there. Um, Tell me. Yeah. In, in the early 1900s, 
in Kentucky and South Carolina, there was a saying, I found it in writing and it said the full six yards. What? So it went from- They lost three yards. Yeah, they lost three yards. Well, somehow we gained three yards. Well, it's hotter down south. Oh, and it could be Celsius versus Fahrenheit. <laughs> No. I don't. I don't know how all those conversions. Pe- I'm not mathematical like you. No, no. Like maybe. Uh, okay, so yards are. It's like a measure of cloth. Also, like a yard of cloth. Okay, so, so maybe they need less cloth. Less cloth to make their outfit, oh, and this, it's so it's hot. There. That could be. It's, no, probably not. Because it was next seen in Indiana, where it's further north. Okay. And that's where they first saw. We saw this use of the nine yards. They think it might be related to. Um, the the other proverb being something to the nines, meaning to perfection, to the max, mm-hmm. to the max, to the mm-hmm. to perfection. Um, but when this phrase really <clears throat> became popular, is actually in the nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties. I remember that. I remember saying the full nine yards, and I, I always thought it was already an old expression, though, even when I was right. a kid. I did too. I mean, that seems like it was, but it wasn't like that popular. You're saying it, it was then? around. They found it in mm-hmm. writing, but it was not popular. And what I like about this. This proverb compared to a lot of the proverbs is a it's American in origin, which a lot of proverbs we do find have a UK English mm. or um, European or, or we're finding them other parts of the world of Africa. Exactly. Region, for example. But it's an American origin and it's relatively modern, this uh-huh. proverb. So it's well, you, you know what it means, Pete? Yeah. That proverbs are still being made. And I think like you and I are going to boost it. Uh, by 200 percent through mm-hmm. our our show sure man we're a, we are a, a reliable supply of new proverbs yeah mm-hmm. now as you look at this there's a lot of theories yes. um what this is about you probably found these I as found well a bunch of those i like um, that part and but none of these have really shown to be proven yeah but who cares i know but they're just fun to totally to think about. let's talk about them that's what i that's where i went with this tell me what'd you learn i found a, i found a bunch of like possible explanations for the whole nine yards and um you know popular culture loves to like come up with new ones and the more it's funny because the more that people come up with like the more obscure the origins are um like you know i I did uh, allude to the uh, length of fabrics because like fabric is sold by the yard and so people have said it's like oh yeah you need nine yards of fabric to make like a kilt or a sari or a burial shroud and they're like that's why it's the whole nine yards um and then another one was like the length of machine gun ammo belts in in a World War II aircraft or in a World War One machine gun belt. Um, both are probably complete nonsense. And then this was one interesting one as thinking of it as volume rather than as length. So um, like the volume of a cement mixer might be nine yards or the volume of a grave. Another thing. So there's a lot of these uh, morbid ones. Um and then, of course, you know, uh, this is one that persists. And I've heard before people tell me, oh, yeah, it has to do with football, you know, like mm-hmm. um, nine yards. That's of football. Think, yeah. I'm like, dude, it takes 10 yards to get a first down. Why on earth would you have the whole nine yards? The Wouldn't it be the yards. whole 10 yards? Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold up. People have want to apply you, it. To are work. there any others that you've heard? Like theories? Well, you know, you're, the ones the ones you came up with were similar to uh, the ones I saw that. Yeah, that gun ammunition belt. It's there. T- it's 27 feet yeah, long, that's what nine yards. which equals nine yards. How many centimeters do you know? Um, yeah, I do know, but I'm not going to tell okay, you. Okay, because like you used to live in Europe. That is You're true. So, so I have a I have a conversion chart right in my brain. <laughs> um, you know what I always thought was really cool though with this? What? It got me thinking because you're correct. You know, you, most of the world is not using yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're using the metric meters. system. They're using the meters. And, um, and so I'm thinking, it, but you know, another besides the metric system, but you know, in the UK versus the US, 
They're referring to the lawn around their house as a garden. The garden, And we're yes. calling it a yard. Oh, Yet again, using yeah. yard, I'm like, how can we call the lawn around our house a yard? And the rest of the world calls it a garden. This is this is really interesting. So the British uses garden. Um, yard comes from the, the well, in a roundabout way, the French word for garden is jardin. Jardin, oui. And the German... J the J in German is a Y, oh. so jardin, uh -huh. and the German is yard, a little bit like yard, yardo. Yardo? And, yardo, yardo I'm, dude. I'm sure I'm not yard pronouncing dog. it right. It's the yard dog. It's the Sorry. yard dog. Sorry. So anyway, it's, a Fr it's, Fr it's French slash German, German uh -huh. is where we came up with yard. So we're actually really saying garden. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Garden. Yeah. See, the thing about that is um, if you call the yard the garden... Where do you grow your vegetables? That's your vegetable garden. Oh, is that right? You, you have to add a word. It. Yeah. It's not very efficient, is it? It's not. You have to add not more really. words. Yeah. So it's like, really you know, it's the vegetable garden. Really? And then have you got um another garden for sort of fruit? Fruit garden. Fruit garden. Herb garden. Olive garden. It's where you eat lunch. Olive garden. Where you eat free, lunch. free refills on your salad. Yeah, smashing. Um. So there was one more um that I had it had to do with sailing. Um, also far-fetched and incorrect, um, but <laughs> apparently um, on, a, on a certain kind of sailing ship, a yard arm, a yard arm is that that bar that sticks out sideways on a mast. And on a big three-masted sailing ship that had three yards per mast, and you had a sail on each one, and that would be nine yards of sail. See, there, there you in the mast yeah, again. That's a bunch of bull. It is. Silly. People are just really stretching it. You are like the conspiracy theory of proverb etymology. Yeah, Pete. which is your favorite? to say i mean what struck me is that it's a nine yards is the length of fabric to make a kilt I, I do like that it's not nine yards you know how far that's 27 feet really <laughs> come on there's a that's wall a there's gonna be like a it's giant your whole family a giant marshmallow around the around the scotsman there'll be a giant marshmallow <laughs> it's for your whole family <laughs> yes ah perhaps it's a family, family of kilts pete yeah. actually the very first time the whole nine yards that those words in order appeared in print was in 1855 in an Indiana newspaper. Yeah. This is a non-idiomatic expression, meaning it didn't have any meaning other than yeah. the literal meaning. Yeah. Um, and it was a judge <clears throat> who was talking about a, a woman who had, um, who the plaintiff or something had bought nine yards of cloth and asked a woman to make three shirts, a three yards per shirt, yeah. right? But, and I quote, she put the whole nine yards into one shirt. And made a huge shirt. Well, apparently, it's maybe it was perhaps it was a Scottish kilt, um, <laughs> not a shirt. Um, but uh, yeah, so the whole nine yards in that sense was uh, that's where it first appeared. If you like do a Google search of all documents, you know, yeah, that's what you're going to come up with as the first appearance. But that's not the expression. That's just chance, I think. I did find uh, another place it was seen. It was in 1962. Robert E. Wegner, he wrote a short story called Man on the Threshold. And it was printed in a literary magazine where he talked. Was that about, the Boardman Review? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. There's it would have been. It would have been. It is. The name of the, the literary magazine is called Michigan Voices. <gasps> it's from Michigan? It's out of Michigan. Oh, yeah. And it's published out of Saginaw. Mm -hmm. So a cousin of now our beautiful Boardman mm -hmm. Review, who thank you again for sponsoring us and providing mm -hmm. us, uh, you know, all of this nice high tech. Nice way to get the plug in there, Lisa. Yeah. Did you see how I did that? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So it's what I what I think about this, though, because so we start out with this talking about how this proverb, it's a riddle. 
It's a yes. riddle where it comes from. Totally. And this makes me think about, um, you know, my work in education <clears throat> and human development is this idea of, you know, I, I, my brain started going, okay, what else is a mystery out there? And uh -huh. then you think, oh, yeah, like Bigfoot's a mystery. But you know what? Nah. Think the difference between Bigfoot and the whole nine yards <laughs> is there's a question whether it exists. The thing about the whole nine yards, it does exist. Mm -hmm. The mystery is how did it come about? Totally. And this is when we're working with children. Mm -hmm. We start out a lot of our stories is we we don't know how this came about, but we do know it did come about. We do know that there are fossils in the ground and we do know, we mm. do know there is life on earth and we do know this and yeah. that. How it came about, were we here? No, no one was here. That's no one was out. writing anything down at the time. Yeah. And and <laughs> and another example of that is, um, I know when I first trained, we talked about two, in, in botany, we talked about two kingdoms, the animal kingdom and the vegetable kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then you'd, you'd And that go would be what you get from your garden. From your yard. Oh, yes. Oh, sorry, from your Vegetables, yard. Vegetables, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should sorry. have said that. Um, and uh, we, we did classification based on those two kingdoms. Yeah. Now, somewhere along the way, They've discovered, of course, there's other mm. there's other kingdoms out yeah. there, right? So you got the fungi, you got bacteria. That kind of complicates things. Yes. And so now is all my training now obsolete? Mm -mm. No. What it means is we do know these things exist and things are going to change in our knowledge of them and how we classify things. But what's most important when we're when we're in education and other parts is just is the idea of acknowledging things exist and being open to these are likely scenarios, but no one was really there to know. Uh -huh. And it's the effort of study and the effort of discovery and uh, and 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 finally defining and classifying as well as we can. Yeah, I, th I found mystery in this, too, and I, I was intrigued by that whole mystery part of it, too. Um, is that the so nowadays most questions that you have you can find the answer to in a matter of seconds because you have like this supercomputer in your pocket right um i love the idea that there are some mysteries out there that you just can't find the answer to right now and uh, a sensation that i've had many times in my life uh, because i grew up in the days before smartphones existed was like having a question that i just carried around with me for the day i didn't know the answer and i was like hmm, i wonder about that i might carry it around for a long time and i might not ever really it might take me a long long time to actually get around to figuring out how i'm ever going to find the answer to it i might not ever find out the answer but that state of wonder of one in the sense of wondering what the answer to something is, is a state that people seldom have nowadays because most questions are amenable to answers through Google. Right. Um, and it got me thinking how many problems in the world have been solved by people who were looking for the answer to a different question, who were just wondering about something and noodling around on a thing that they were trying to figure out because they didn't know the answer to. And they didn't have some Google device that able, enabled them to like like a laser find out just the answer to only the question they were asking. And they had to learn a whole bunch of other stuff along the way in trying to find their answers. This kind of messy, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Adjacencies around the th question that they're answering, that they learn all this weird stuff. And the result is breakthroughs in science or breakthroughs in insight into some other thing that they didn't even know they're interested in. Um, and I feel like there is much has been gained through this technology, our ability to really find out the clear answers to specific questions. But I do feel like to a certain extent, we're losing something when we're not 
um, muddling through the adjacencies to our questions and finding out weird um, answers to other unasked questions. You know, maybe we're missing out on some breakthroughs. And 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 to connect to that, this idea, like if I needed to find an answer, I'd need to go talk to somebody and have that conversation, or I'd go to the library and then I'd need to know that author or where that quote from. A lot of this information is now very anonymous, right? It's not linked to a human putting through that effort mm-hmm. to have, you know, have, have done the study and done the research and, and, and curated it and com- compiled it. So now we can digest it. It's really kind of like, where'd you get that answer? Oh, from Google, mm-hmm. you know, and it really <clears throat> detaches us from our humanity when we're, when we have such quick, fast answers. Yeah. I think, th- I mean, I think we have to remember it's, it is important to be able to get clear, correct answers to lots of, to, to specific questions. But sometimes my kids ask me, ask me questions and I, I, or I ask them questions and I prevent them. I tell them, don't look at, you know, don't look at a, at a, at the computer or look at a phone, just muddle on, just noodle on that for a minute. Just let that marinate inside your brain and just wonder about that question. And, and let's see what happens, you know, well, good things come. And this is when I'm working with teachers, especially new teachers. Um, the students want to do a study and the teachers is so quick to say, well, let me just pull up um, something on my phone or let's Wikipedia. just go over to the mm-hmm. let's go over to the computer in the corner and pull that up. And I, I say, you know what? I think we should we need to wait on that. Send them to the library. And you know what? You know, we don't actually don't have a book on that. But what are they going to find as they go through the all adjacencies. those books? What's the book next to the, the one adjacent. that they were looking for? Exactly. And they're and flipping through the Encyclopedia Britannica, whatever. Yes. And they're like, they're, they're look, trying to look up, you know, hedgehog. And they find themselves on hedge clippers. And they discover they're interested in the physics of how a hedge clipper works. And, they're, and they forgot all about hedgehogs. That's right. That's kind of cool. That's how it should work. Welcome back to the next segment of our podcast today. In this part, we fabricate a new proverb on the spot based on two random words that we first learn at the same instant that you do. Then we pretend like it's a real proverb. We give you a big story and its history and all that. And we tell you how it has like really changed our lives. And, all. and of course, it's a complete balderdash, the whole thing. So um, let's enjoy. All righty. We turn to the high tech proverbatron, which we have recently recovered from deep in the deserts of Southwest Utah. You know, our expedition to retrieve it was sponsored generously by the Boardman Review. Thank you, Boardman Review. Thank you, our friends there. Okay, so now uh, here we go. I'm going to press this uh, blinking orange button and it's going to spit out a word. Alter top. Oh, wow, Pete. Here comes the second word. Visor. Halter top visor. Well, halter top visor is a problematic proverb that has been it's 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 only played us a, a minor role in my life because those are two garments that I've never actually owned either one of them. But the way the proverb goes is when you use a halter top as a visor, even the blind can see. When you use the halter top as a visor. Even the blind can see. Yeah, but I've heard it also, even the blind can't see. It's one of those weird proverbs that I can't figure out which one is correct because I've heard them both. The the, the, the positive side and then Yeah, when side. you use yeah. the halter top as a visor, even the blind can see. Or when you use a halter top as a visor, even the blind can't see. Yeah. Well, you know, this this really relates. I think it was back in the 1920s is where I I did my research on this. And this is when there was a lot of talk of, well, for, for women's really um, 
wanting some more liberations and freedoms and still very much entrenched in the household and taking care of the family. But the young females of the 20s getting out and and really showing their um Wanting to have fun. And, you know, of course, there's the Charleston and you think you're thinking of flappers and you're thinking of long beads and you're thinking of, of course, halter Halter tops tops and visors. So this was a prank that these young flappers would play on each other, that they they take the halter top, they bring it up over their over their eyes of their friends. Oh, that's And they'd say, oh, there's the visor. I'm helping to block the sun from your eyes. Now, of course, when the visor, visor, quote Uh unquote, would be brought up, of course, what would be left would be the bottom part would be now exposed. Right. So now you're not blinded by the sun, but you're blinded by the headlights. Even the blind can see because like anybody wants to see now. That's right. Now, now, this is not a funny joke at all. Now, the only thing that, you know, made it even slightly humorous was it was women doing this to women um but it went out of favor quite quickly because it was indecent exposure would this Uh, be like when they were just getting dressed or going out or would this be when they're actually like out on the town so most most of the time it's just happening within the powder room Uh every once in a while you'd have there was one woman her name was betsy flagel uh-huh. Betsy Flagel's famous for having done this halter top visor prank out on in Times Square. And there's a famous photo of Betsy Flagel have done this to her best friend. And the, the other woman's name is now obscure because it's been lost. And she's mortified. Probably. She's mortified. Mm-hmm. Her family disowned her mm-hmm. um, and it caused a lot of problem and crime yeah. and crisis. Um, but it was the cover of Life magazine at the time. Well, and isn't that where the verb comes from to to be flagled or to flagle someone? It, it did, and that's their etymology. It's to when flagle you like someone. humiliate someone so much that their identity gets um like it, becomes, you know, they get like canceled. Their identity gets canceled. erased from popular consciousness. And really, this was not this other we'll call her woman X. Of course, yeah. she was just a victim to this. Right. It's weird that flagle would be the one who's now she's famous now the and infamous one. And in now the the flagle. Um, the flagle, Flagling? the flagle estate, the uh-huh. the the um, heirs to mm-hmm. this, um, they have gone out and they have sought to receive um, compensation for the use of this word. So, like right now, Pete, what? we might get a bill. But I'm I am just gonna. I, I'm not afraid. Yeah, you're gonna you bring, can help us. Flagles, bring it on. We'll we'll, we'll flagle we'll you. Fight you. Yeah, because look, Betsy Flagle. Mm-hmm. Exposes her friend mm-hmm. in as Times Square as a joke. Admittedly, as a joke, right? She pulls right. up her halter top over Makes her face, visor. and then everyone sees her, and it's a cover of this magazine. Humiliates Lady X, Woman X, right? Mm-hmm. And then she gets her name immortalized in a verb that we all know. All of us know this word to flagel, mm-hmm. like to humiliate someone so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they want to get. They, they want to get paid when we use the word flagel, 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 flagel. I'm going to say a lot of times. I'm careful. not afraid of these people. Be, be, Bring be it, careful, flagels. I'm going to um, flagle them. So Boardman Review, we apologize if we do have a cease and desist order yeah. coming through. But I find that our freedom of speech is going to be compromised otherwise. And I say, Pete, I want to make a halter top visor for you um, and to 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 shout to the world that I see you and you see me and the flagels can they can flagle off. They can pounce hand. Now, would you, when you um, give me the hall stop visor, does that mean I'm going to be like 
I've done an extension for modesty purposes. It's oh. long enough to cover the whole body okay. from the knees to the Because we could also do that like pixelating thing. Because I, I wouldn't like want to get flagled. No, Pete. No, it's it's fully it's a full body halter. Full body top. halter. Yeah. So it's not a really halter top so much. It's like a. It's a it's it's a in spirit halter top. It's a halter top and bottom. Yeah, kind of like we have spirit animals out yeah. there. You can have halter top spirits. <laughs> have you do you, I do you wear halter tops a lot? Do you set a thing in I, your wardrobe? I, so I like to wear halter tops. Uh -huh. um, now it does remind me of what happened, you know, so many years ago. Is that traumatizing for you as a woman? It is. So yeah. what I would not want to be caught out in Times Square like that. So I wear halter tops under my clothes as I am right now. You know what we should do? Um, and I think we'll put this on our website, like halter tops with the word flagel and then mm -hmm. crossed out. Yes. Yeah. Like, so like no more flagling. I'm wearing a halter top. It doesn't mean you get to make it into a visor. Mm -mm. Don't, don't you dare flagel me. Don't you flagel me. Right. I, and if people wear these out on the street, yep. all of this history will be, and I think be us unearthed. being able to, to promote, Histor real historical facts such as we're doing right now <laughs> yeah. and make them like fashion statements. Yeah. It's kind of like having pop culture and historical knowledge married together Meshed and we're together. We're helping to kind of create a more intellectual. Even the blind can see then. Um, let me ask you though, like um, as you know, a guy I've always, you know, identified as male and I dress as a male. Mm -hmm. um, I've never really worn a halter top and uh I have to be totally honest. I'm not entirely sure what they're shaped like. Mm. I know it's like a kind of shirt that is has some different part at the top. But like, is it like, is it like one of those over one shoulder things? Or is it like a skinny little strings on the top? What's how does it work? So let me tell you, because I am a fashion degree. A halter tops, sleeveless garment, uh -huh. not even over the shoulder. So there's no shoulder covering, no sleeves. Uh -huh. Now, some halter tops could have some type of device connected to the front that you would tie behind your neck. But if you oh, want to go okay. full flaggle, then you are going to want to have sans a string. You're going to have it only be held up by the elasticity and by anything the, else. And that also can, by the by the flaring of your um, bosom. Bosom. Right? That that I was thinking what synonym you were going to say for breast and you chose bosom. I was trying to say the right thing. You did say the I right did. thing. So that was the perfect you're thing. telling me that like there's no um, there's not no security holding things. There up could the be top. if you're I if, thought that's if a tube top. That's one thing I did know. I did hear. I have heard. I do know about a tube top. Isn't that a tube top? Because you've worn one of those. No, I just seen them. But isn't a tube top. Um, <laughs> it's a tube. If there, it doesn't have a thing around the neck. Is it still a halter top? So now to with your get fashion back, degree, back can you to, tell me about back that? to etymology? Because I do have a fashion history uh -huh. degree. So halter comes from the horse. You put a halter on a horse, right? Is that like on their mouth? Yep, it's on their mouth, and okay. that's to halter them, right? So the strap doesn't go through your mouth on this shirt? Um, so it used to. Oh. So at the beginning, it started. You had a shirt and you would put the strap through your mouth and you tie it behind your head. That would be yeah. the, now that was painful. The Obviously, women didn't really go for that. Yeah. Now, only to, to say, only to say, if the strap had continued to go through the through the mouth, you probably wouldn't have gotten flagled. No right? visors, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have become yeah. a visor. But women insisted to have comfort, which you know, in the, since I'm in I'm fashion, in I don't that? believe oh, I don't, don't believe, believe in it. Okay. No. Uh -huh. Um, do, why do you think I'm wearing these high heels yeah. right I now? I, I don't know how you got in here with those on, but I, I didn't. I had I had Taylor carry me down the stairs. Oh, okay, nice. 
anyway, Thanks, so pain in the halter should should be associated with halter taps. Um, women started to lose the strap, lose the halter completely. Then you get the tube tap. Piece. And that's like, are you saying that there's some kind of connection between the comfort and the just loosening of so, the social code and, and morality and people are just like wildly flagging each other and stuff? Am I saying there's a connection? Is, that, is there a connection there? Yes, and there's a connection to everything, Pete. Okay. Is there a connection to me wearing high heels, insisting Taylor carries me down the stairs and carries me back to my car? Is there a connection there? Is a connection there? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, now, nowadays, people really, are, are halter tops still a thing? Are people still into that? Do they, you know, are people still flagling? Do they? So flagling has gone out of fashion, Good. although, um, I think after hearing this podcast, it's probably going to, we're going to see an uptick on that. Oh man. Cause my daughter asked me for a halter top. I'm glad we had this conversation because I wasn't sure how to make that decision. You, I think with eyes wide open, you just know that's a possibility. You can talk to her about the, the, the risks that are inherent in having a halter top. Do you think I could get her one of those halter? It's like the one you got for me, the spirit halter. That um, is like more of a full body halter. But you top. Can get, you, that's, I suggest that for overprotective fathers we mm -hmm. sell a lot of those to to that to that uh demographic yeah and i think also you can for your daughter you can stress the halt of the halter top oh, right. you can get show her the 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 hand movement it's which is a stop sign halt that's that uh, the halt or top yeah halt her top yes that will slow her down more. slow her down or anybody who's coming near uh -huh. that halter top yeah and so the yeah the halter top if we if we were if you were to make a halter top mm -hmm. Um, what would you make it out of? What do I make out of? Yeah. I make it out of, um, horse feed bags. Oh, that seems because that's my, that's sure. That is my, that's my kind of trademark, my signature in the fashion world. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. and horse, is there any horse, other horse products involved in that, in that particular? In the um, horse feed bag? Um, it's just the scent and aroma. How many yards of, um, fabric would you, would go into one of these? About nine. 27 feet exactly wow that's amazing you used the whole nine yards in that shirt I did the whole nine yards and i do have a new um line coming out of kilts kilts are they like marshmallow shaped they're the for the family pete uh, you know you could get flagled in a kilt too i think but that's a whole other that's, story. A, that's another podcast uh -huh. about flagling in a, in a kilt and that was by um betsy flagel's cousin Stuart flagel man those flagels were mm -hmm. just flagrant Woo! Yeah! <laughs> that episode was funner than my own private Disneyland. Woo! Enormous thanks again to the folks at the Boardman Review, without whom we would be up the proverbial creek without a paddle. And to our generous sponsors, the Boardman Review, the Workshop Brewing Company, and the National Writer Series. Don't forget to send in your words for the Proverbatron or your suggestions of a real proverb that you'd like us to explore. Then tune in for our next episode. Your submissions may be part of the show.